Welcome to The Bank Shot with your host, Jane Banks. This show is sponsored by the John Coltrane Jazz Festival and Roar Media Group. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the flow of conversation. And now your host, Gene Banks. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) To everyone, isn't God good? First, let me give thanks to him. And through all that we're going through in these years and and this this last year, two years, uh, we can even go four years. But you know what? The great thing about it is that we still have our our strength, our hearts and the love that's within us. So I just want to give thanks to him who has brought us through. So I want to say a special thanks to all you all, all my fans, family and friends that are listening to us on the bank shot with Gene Banks. That's right. I said it. I said my name again. <laughs> so I just want to say a special thanks to all y'all for your support. Continue on supporting us and being with us. And listen, I thank you and I appreciate you. Hey, let's give honor also to the falling from the 9-11. Uh, and uh, let's take a moment to do so in saying that uh, a lot of lives were lost. And this is a time of honoring such lives and it's very uh emotional time for those that did lose some loved ones and uh we that saw from afar uh it, it was it was a tragedy of american history but we want to give thanks and and love to those family members okay so today we are doing an unsung hero of duke basketball that's right duke basketball it's about to kick off it's about to do what it's going to do it's Coach K's last hurrah. Wow. So, you know, but, but let me do this. Before I do that, I'm getting grooving. I'm giving thanks and all these other things. I have to do something that's really, really wonderful and special. I have to welcome in the lovely, lustrous, and my wonderful co-host, the amazing Lynette Jackson. Hello, Lynette. <laughs> hey, Gino. I don't know why I have to be like the illustrious. I'm just Lynette. What's up, everybody? How is, how's everybody doing? I hope everyone's doing well and recovering from a great uh, Labor Day weekend. I know I we were down at the John Coltrane Jazz Festival last weekend. Yeah, I was going to ask. Uh, I was going. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm recovering, I think. But other than that, I hope everyone's doing well. It's so good to be with everyone. Okay, well, you know, and, and speaking of that, we want to talk about the a little, a little touch about that John Cole Train Festival because our guest mm-hmm. was a, was a part of that. Yes, or he was in that, whichever case may be. But okay, like like my man from the cable guy would say, "Let's get her done." <laughs> our guest today is truly one of Duke's unsung heroes. He comes from well, born in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh-huh. Some of you pop people listening to this that are from North Carolina know where that is. Some of you in Italy and Israel and all it's a part of North Carolina that's that's uh it's got some good folklore to it. Now, this guy played at E.E. E. Smith High School in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and his junior team, when he was well, as a junior, he led the Golden Bulls, that was the name of his team, uh, to the championship game, where they were defeated by Hunter Huss High School. And for all you that are listening, Hunter Huss is a famous, well-known school in Gastonia, North Carolina. Irony. <laughs> 1986, as a senior, Bricky was named North Carolina Mr. Basketball. What, what does that mean? He was the best. The best. The GOAT. If you can give him, I'm going to give him his props today. He's going to get his props today. <laughs> After graduating, he went on to play basketball at Duke University from 1986 to 1999. He was part of three. No, I'm not going to say one or two. He was a part of three Final Four teams and started in the National Championship game in 1990. He also served as team captain in 1990 and received his first team All-Atlantic Coast Conference ACC Tournament Honors in 1988. Now, during that time in the summer of 87, Robert Ricky won a silver medal with the Team USA at FIBA under 19 World Championships. And that team was coached by Larry Brown. Uh, and it was a tournament that they finished out five and two, and they lost a gold medal game to a Yugoslavian team that included Vladi Divac, 
Dino Rada, and Tony Kukoc. And on that squad with also with uh, Robert, the, my our guest, I almost gave it out. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> on that team was Larry Johnson, Grandmama, and Gary Payton. Ricky saw significant playing time and averaged seven point points a game in, in that in that series. And then he went on from that. I like I'll say some more about 2002. He was an assistant coach at uh, I'll call him his dad, who we're going to talk about <laughs> at Army. <laughs> and then he moved to SMU and he coached also at James Madison for one year uh, before taking the head coaching job at Shaw University in Raleigh, North Carolina. Following his departure from Shaw, he was assistant director of basketball operations at his alma mater, Duke University. Yeah, that's right. And then he became an assistant coach at North Carolina Central University. And we'll get on talking about Shaw at North Carolina Central, too, because that's a significant part of university and college academia. He became the head coach of the NBL Canadian squad, Osh Oshawa Power, and assistant coach at Fayetteville State in 2013-2015. In 2018, Bricky was hired as the head coach of the Raleigh Firebirds, who began in 2019 as part of the North American Premier Basketball, a new kind of a league. So without further ado, he is considered, if you watch, if you go to YouTube, you can see some dunks. Uh, he was considered the dunk guy. I mean, I know I came in and I dunked a little bit. I did a little bit of this, that, a little bit of that. But when Robert Bricky got it, he was coming at you. He dunked on you through you and with you. So without further ado, from Fayetteville, North Carolina, one of the greatest unsung basketball players of Duke basketball, Mr. Robert Brookie. Gene, I appreciate that uh, warm welcome, my brother. And it's always good to see you. And, uh, you know, I, I've always appreciated you in my life. You were, you were kind of the uh, big brother when I was in school at Duke and uh, you would come around and share your wisdom. You play with us sometime and you talk about the league and, man, you just, you know, I appreciate the time that you, you shared your wisdom with us when I was a young, when I was a younger man. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you say wisdom and not corruption. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a family show. <laughs> yeah, it is. Cause you know, I came and I had some brothers of, I had to follow through, but uh, yeah, it, it was always great watching you when you went to Duke University and played for Duke University, the effort and the tenacity and, and the intensity that you had, as well as your basketball IQ was amazing. So, you know, I, I, I like to talk about that before we get into that, but let, let, let me do this. Let me, I like to go back to your scholastic days of basketball in high school. You were Mr. Basketball of North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you had to hesitate yeah. for that? <laughs> and, and, and you know what, man, I, I really, you know, that's that was 30 years ago. I have to I gotta I gotta dig a little bit now to kind of <laughs> remember some of those memories. <laughs> but we had, I mean, it, it was we we had a really good team, man. It was it was a weird thing. My junior year, we came out of nowhere. I mean, we had a kind of a ragtag group of kids. And uh, we went on this amazing run. I think we ended up the season like 28-3, and three, mm. lost in the state championship. But uh, – and then we turned around my senior year. Now, uh, Reed Ross was our rival high school. They closed Reed Ross mm. and shipped all the kids at Reed Ross to my high school. So my starting lineup my senior year was 6'9", 6'7", 6'6", 6'3", and 6'1". Wow. And as a, as a high school lineup. So, uh, and we were really good. We were ranked in the top, I think, 15 in the nation as a high school program that year. It was fun. I mean, it, the fun part was we didn't play a whole lot because we just blow teams out. So I usually spent the second and four quarters on the bench. And, uh, you know, we just it was fun because we had a great, uh, we had a great support system. We had great fans. We had great uh, support from the school and we got a lot of uh, accolades in the community so everybody wanted to come see us play and then we were right Fort Bragg is right here in Fayetteville so a lot of the soldiers I would play at Fort Bragg all the time growing up Ooh, my okay. dad was military so I got to know a lot of guys between the ages of maybe 13 all the way up to high school and they would come see me play so it was the house was always full it was always rocking 
if you ask Debbie Shusevsky right now, she used to come with Coach K to my games. No way. And oh, wow. she would ask next time you see Debbie, ask her, say, how how was the experience being in the gym at E.E. E. Smith High School my senior year? It was amazing, man. It was it was it was a mini Cameron uh, with, with an HBCU feel. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So it was it was rocking, man. It was rocking. Our band was really good. I'm telling you, it was it was really fun. And uh, uh, you know, uh, we actually lost in the, my junior year to the state championship. We lost in the regional final. I senior, so we never ended actually up winning the thing, but we had to. We had some great memories, and we did. You know, people look fondly upon those memories uh, now when they look back about and think about. Scholastic sports in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Yeah, and, and, and North Carolina basketball was pretty huge back then. Who, what players did you play against? Oh God, man, they were. Let's see, my, in my class, Avi Lester went to state. Brian Howard went to state. Oh God, um, let's see, North Carolina. God, man, you making me think now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got I got to go get out the record books for that. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I'm 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 gonna I'm I'm throw one at you. You know, I'm, I got the because for you to become Mister Basketball of North Carolina, there was a lot of North Carolina stretches out with a lot of great players. Right. You know, I mean, from coast from coast to coast and from border to border. I mean, so many great players. Dominique Wilkins come out of there. Uh, James Worthy, just to name a few. Sleepy Floyd. Mm-hmm. There were so many great players. That, Buzz Peterson, we got to give him some pub too. Yeah. So, uh, and, and these are a lot of guys that you came up and sort of uh, played against. Yeah, yeah, it was. Now I tell you, North Carolina was a hotbed then; it still is. It still produces a lot of talent per capita. I mean, we're not one of the larger states, but we produce a lot of basketball and football talent, as well as other sports too. But you know, back then it was uh, it was it was it was loaded, man, basketball wise. Uh, a lot of guys went on to all different levels of basketball and made an impact. Now, now who, who was your biggest influence? I know you said your dad was in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's an interesting story that some people don't know about. But who were your influences when you started playing basketball in that era, in that time? Really, uh, man, I tell you, this this is how I developed <laughs> as, a, as a youngster. I had two older brothers. And both my brothers were really good athletes. Uh, and they said, you want to be good at this game, you got to be tough. And they would take me to Fort Bragg when I was like 11 or 12 years old. Now, I'm a tall, skinny kid. I mean, I'm skinny. And and my, they took the first day they took me to the gym, they said, if you make one call, I'll kick your tail myself. Mm. <laughs> so I said, you want to be tough? They, now, I'm playing with military personnel. These are guys that are trained to kill wow and i'm 12 years old and then it was physical it was rough and the first day i was like i don't like this <laughs> this this is too <laughs> physical right here i'm not ready for this my brothers and they would take me every weekend every weekend we go to fort Bragg, and we play and we play and we play and then i got older i started getting you know i started getting to where i could compete a little bit with the men but then i started playing against kids my own age Right. And I was killing them because I'm used to playing against <laughs> grown men. The old heads. And look, and it, I mean, and you've got to be physical. You got to be tough. And I couldn't make, I wasn't allowed to make calls. <laughs> wow. And look, my first year or so, I wasn't allowed to shoot. Mm. I was like, you don't even shoot the ball. You come out here and play defensive rebound. <laughs> Only way you score, <laughs> you get a steal and you go dunk it, or you get an offensive rebound and you put it back. It's the only way you score. That's it. Yep. <laughs> So, no shooting uh, for you. That was my introduction <laughs> to uh, basketball. What, what what influence did your your parents have on you when it comes to sports? Well, well, what my dad because he was my dad was a drill sergeant, so th- oh, wow. that meant he wanted you to figure out what he was saying before he finished saying it, <laughs> and already start doing it. <laughs> so <laughs> he had that military mentality, man. Like I, I'll give you a story. So on Friday nights. Uh, all the kids in the county would go. There was a McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, and Godfather's Pizza, all in the same parking lot. So after Friday night basketball game, 
all the kids in the county would go and hang out in the parking lot, just, you know, shoot the breeze, hang out. My mother said, I got home about one o'clock. My mom said, she lectured me. She was waiting on me. She lectured me. Ooh. She said, now, I need you to be in this house by so-and-so. I mean, she goes on 15, 20 minutes, just lecture. <laughs> she finished. My dad came right behind her and said, I don't give a damn if you don't come home. <laughs> this yard better be raped, cut, Ooh. bagged, and on the curb by 9 a.m. <laughs> that's a drill sergeant. Wow. That's a drill so, sergeant. That's, you know, people are like, you always on time. You all, it was the influence of my dad, you know, being in the military. Listen, they were they're I standards. I want to ask that question. How did the influence of your dad being a drill sergeant, how did it influence and impact your life? And then how did it carry over into basketball? Well, just, just having the discipline and the work ethic. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just, I remember my dad, and he retired when I was young. I was probably 10 or 11 when he retired. But he'd served almost 28 years by that time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just remember the tail end of his career, mm-hmm. but, you know, and I didn't even know this until his funeral. Oh, I, was, wow. I was reading the obituary and he served in Korea. Oh, wow. Like most people don't even mention that war. No. But he did tours in Korea and Vietnam. Wow. So, you know, he's, he'd seen some things and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, so just the, the discipline, the structure, um, yes, sir, no, sir, being accountable, uh-huh. uh, you know, that comes out every day. I mean, it, it, anytime I see somebody, that, that comes out. So it's just part you of know, the way. It's so funny because, like, you can, I know probably at that time you were like, Dad, you just probably really like you know you're just too much but right then when you get older right you start saying i'm grateful for those too much lessons oh because yeah they shape the person as to who you are today i mean i always say when did i started speak started when did i start speaking in my mother's voice because some of the times it's just like oh gosh she is just stressing me out but right. now it's like I'm so grateful she taught me that lesson. Right. And now I'm regurgitating those same voice, that same voice to other people. So that's probably really cool. You know what though? Um, how many times have you thought mama was right? Mama was right. So, look, something comes up. Mama she told me that 87 so right. times. She was right. And and you know, my sons will tell me that now, you know, like, oh God, I'd hate to tell her, but mom, you were right. Right. I was just like. It's a thing. So, but I get it because my, my parents were very prompt people. I'm a very prompt person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think there's just no excuse in my head. Now I have to give people a break, but I used to think there's no excuse to be late. Right. <laughs> there's just, right. it's just so no, you got to plan for it. It's like no excuse to be late, but you know, everyone wasn't raised that way or didn't have that sort of, uh, you know, teaching like your, your, your dad gave to you, oh, yeah. but but it but it pays off in the end. It does. My mm-hmm. my dad used to say, "I never had a problem when I was early." Woo! That's that's <laughs> that's a, that really is a good one. I, I like. I'm gonna jot that down. No, for, that's good. That it look, I never again, had a problem when I was early. I didn't appreciate that. You don't. I got older. When you just think about that that statement for a second, I never had a problem when I was early. But when you're not early, everything in the world, all kinds of of stuff, you know, just comes at you. And it's just like, well, if you were early, you would have found out that the office was closed and that was that. And you would have had a chance to to kind of like catch up or readjust your plans because you got there early and saw it. And look, people don't necessarily like traveling with me. Because (laughs) when I say... I'm leaving at 3.30. That might be 3.20. <laughs> right. Because I have thought about everything that might happen yes! this time and our destination. And oh, we might my traffic. God. Absolutely. I thought about that. All that's factored into my travel time. So I might it's get there and wait 45 in. minutes. But I'm never going to be late. I'm never missing an airplane. Nope. Because I don't like, I will hurry up and wait. I don't care. I don't mind waiting at the gate, but I'm, right. you're not going to, this plane not going to leave without me because right. I'm trying to do a quote OJ through the airport. I live in Atlanta. This is Hartsfield. I'm not running through the airport, right. but that's big. so amazing. My oldest son is like that, but his wife isn't. 
And so I'm like that, my oldest son. So when he had, she has the both of us together, uh-huh. she's so nervous. She's like, I got Walter and I got Ma. And, <laughs> and, and I got to just, I'm so, Ma, I'm so nervous because I'm like, I'm on my way. <gasps> so yeah, I get it. Oh, oh that's yeah. awesome. And, and it, it bugs me when I have to rush. Like I get, I get physically irritated when I have to hurry up because somebody made me leave later than my original departure time. Well, I'm taking down those notes. Are you taking one. notes, G? I'm taking you know how notes. quiet he got. Yeah, he got so quiet. Well, you 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 broke off and you was giving him your soliloquy. Well, no, his, but it was just he was, he was he was giving his soliloquy. So, but I know you're taking some notes. Because Gene, well, well, Gene knows that the biggest thing that I have with Gene is we're not on time. Right. Well, so, we'll, 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 we'll move on from we'll, that. We'll right? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask, because this, this is really what people didn't really understand born during that time in life in Fayetteville, because it was a, it was a, a military base there, Fort Bragg. How right. was it there it spelled, and as well as the racial climate that was down at the time? Well, um, Fort Bragg is the second largest military base in the country. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not sure what the population is, but it's, it takes up, people don't realize how big Fort Bragg is, how much physical land mass it takes up, as well as the number of personnel here, as well as the number of spouses. I mean, just Fayetteville would die without Fort Bragg because the economic oh, wow. impact mm-hmm. from the military is so big in our community. And it's like that in most military communities, heavily service oriented to cater to the needs of the military. Right. Like we have pawn shop on every corner here. We have a dry clears on every corner here wow. because of the military. Wow. And I remember my freshman year at school, I said, I need to run the pawn. I need to get a TV for my dorm. I said, where's the closest pawn shop? And Durham had like two pawn shops. I was like, <laughs> but in Fayetteville, there must be 80 pawn shops in this town. Wow. They're everywhere. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, again, that military influence. Um, but part of that is, you, you asked about racial uh, climate. You know the military is so diverse, and it's got it's got people from all uh, shades and colors, as well as uh, backgrounds and religious orientations. So Fort Bragg brings diversity, uh, and you know what was he? You know you you see I've been around family long enough to know this. You'll see a lot of older guys, retired military guys that maybe served in Vietnam, that may have uh, uh, Korean wives, right? Mm. Because they, okay. they went to serve in Korea, or they Vietnamese wives, because they you see mm-hmm. that a lot around here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think Fort Bragg has been really good for diversity. Uh, so we've got a pretty good mix in this town. It's always been. I, th- I thought the racial uh, uh, they they everybody has racial tension at times, but I think overall it's been good in this community. Mm-hmm. Awesome, and and with that, giving us that that. Soliloquy of Fayetteville, North Carolina, the diversity, which is the big name now. This is the, the word now. Is that the politically correct word? Right. But we're going to take a commercial break, but I call it a timeout. Is your business not being seen or heard in the marketplace? Are you in need of a strategic plan, graphics, websites, or stunning videos to advertise your business? Contact Roar Media Group. That's Roar mediagroup.com and let us help you speak out loud and we're back with the unsung hero of duke basketball mr robert bricky now now brick here's the thing you you became mr basketball of north carolina and you had a lot of lot of universities and colleges not just down there but around the nation uh you know come coming for you you right. know I, I, lynette i mean that that's something else but he, he chose duke yeah, that's what I wanted to know is, you know, you were Mr. Basketball, why Duke? You know what? Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've shared this with Gene and, and Vince Taylor. Because uh, when I was growing up, ACC was it in terms of basketball in this state. Mm-hmm. Of course, you had the Big Four, Carolina, Duke, State, Wake. But then at the time, there were only eight schools in the conference. Mm-hmm. Virginia, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Maryland, and I'm leaving somebody out. Uh, so we, you know, we only covered about four states along the East Coast. 
Don't get, um, don't get, don't get our Wake Forest brothers mad. That's Wake, what got, yeah, yeah Wake Forest. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in when I was in middle school, the ACC tournament started on Friday. So you basically that means you had to skip class, or the teachers would pull the TV cart in the room. This is how big it was in North Carolina. Wow. And you watch the ACC tournament on Friday at mm. school. Oh my goodness. And I remember watching Gene and uh, and uh, Vince play. And I was like, you know, I didn't realize that with African-Americans, they didn't have that many African-Americans at Duke. <laughs> Black people go to Duke, huh? Right. It, because, you know, I'm a kid in North Carolina. I don't know anything about Duke except what I see on television. Right, right. But I see Gene and Vince playing. And I, and I was like, man, I like those guys. I like the way they play. I like the way they carry themselves, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward, my time rolls around. Actually, Duke is not recruiting me my senior year. They're recruiting a kid named Stevie Thompson. Stevie ended up signing with Syracuse early. So Duke needed a small forward. They started, then they started recruiting me mm-hmm. later that fall. And uh, so the reason I had, I even took an interest in it because I like Gene and Vince. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, and my high school coach said, you owe it to yourself to at least go investigate. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And uh, a couple of things I did like about it. One, it was small enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to a, a mega campus. Two, it had a good academic reputation. Mm-hmm. Three, it was close enough my parents could come and see me play. Okay. I thought that was important. I wanted my parents to have not, you know, if I had gone to Illinois, you know, they'd have made a few games, but I know my parents went any game east of the Mississippi, they got to almost every game east of the Mississippi. And so that's wow. Over the course of a four-year period, that's a lot of games. Yes, it is. So uh, they were at a lot of, and, and it was, you know, they enjoyed. It, it was big for me because they enjoyed that. That gave them some. Because I was the youngest, I'm the youngest child. So they, I, when I was going, it was they had empty nest, but now they got something to do. They got to come to Durham. They got to know some new people. They got to travel, do some cool things. That's one of the things I really, you know, you really can't speak about it often that. I enjoyed about my time at Duke that my parents also had time at Duke. Uh, and then, you know, you get to basketball uh, and coach K, I mean, we get in all that, but uh, you know, those are the, that's why I took an interest in Duke. Well, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's get into that. I mean, that was Lynette and I had a question about that. She asked me about the situation, what made me go to Duke and, and then also the influence of coach K. Lynette, you, you can ask Robert the same question you asked me about coach K. Yeah, I mean, what was it like playing for him? And I mean, at that time, because I mean, he was pretty well known. Uh, so right. what was it like uh, being on the Duke team and playing for him? He's well known now. Yeah. In 1986. <laughs> he was just not that well known. He was, he, they had just come <laughs> off uh, Johnny Dawkins and Tommy Amica, Jay Billis, David Henderson and uh, um, Allery, that class. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm which uh, if you ever see the special on ACC, the class that saved Coach yep. K, because he was in he was in trouble before that, wow. five, that 1986 season. It's called. People didn't want to get rid of him. It's called mm. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and uh, so uh, 86 happens. They go 37-3. They lose in the championship to Louisville. Um, so Duke was on the rise when mm-hmm. I got there. Okay. Uh, but playing for him, I don't know if there's a more prepared coach in America, mm-hmm. maybe even the world. He is prepared. Wow. And I think if you talk about the two things I would name for the reasons for his, his success, are three things. He, he puts the right people around himself, coaches and mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter, and I'll tell you another story about that in a minute. Um, two, his preparation. Mm-hmm. And then three, he gets high-level guys to buy in and understand their roles. Because when everybody's uh, player of the year in their state, you know, you got you to gotta deal with some egos. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. got to get guys to buy in. And he's, he's mastered those things. And, and I think that's some of the reasons he's been as successful as he has been. And let me back up. So I said, 
putting the right people around you. Yeah. When I was a being recruited, I took my visit. Billy King, Kevin Strickland hosted me. And uh we we had a we had a okay visit. It was it was not a great visit, but it was okay. <laughs> and uh but he said on my visit, I'll never forget this. He said, We only recruit a handful of kids. And if I go in and ask my guys and they don't think you're a Duke kid, they will immediately start recruiting you. And I was like, that is the greatest line of BS I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward my freshman year. (laughs) We we bring in a kid from Ohio. He ended up going to Ohio State and had a good career. I I don't remember his name. After the visit, he came and said, hey, I hosted the guy. He said, you think he's a Duke guy? I said, no. He called him that day. Wow. And said, we're not going to recruit you anymore. Thanks, but no thanks. I was like, wow. So, you know what? He's a man of his word. He told me that, and he and he lives by that. Yes, wow. he does. Yes, he does. And, uh, well, well, but talking about what happened before you got there, but while you were there, and all you listeners listen to this, you went to three Final Four games. Mm-hmm. And you were also the starter for the national championship game in 1990. Tell us about that ride and who were your teammates? Oh man. Uh, you know, it started with, even though my freshman year, Tommy Amaker was a senior mm-hmm. and I learned a lot from Tommy. Tommy was uh Tommy was an old guy when he was a young guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tommy, Tommy was a uh, wise beyond his years at a young age. And, you know, so I learned a lot of time. And, you know, we won enough games. We went to a tournament. But, you know, he taught me some things. David Henderson, Johnny Dawkins, those guys were always around. They would come play pickup with us. You know, and I'm always trying to pick their brains. And, you know, what? and they would, especially Dave, Dave give it to you straight, no chaser. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's what I needed. You know, I need somebody to tell me what I needed to be, to, to needed to do to be successful. And, uh and those guys were great, man. Uh, so uh, that I think Tommy and and Dave and Johnny uh, helped us a lot in terms of developing a mentality. And then you know, so my sophomore year is Danny Fair, Quinn Snyder, um, and you know some other guys in that mix. You know, and we got on a good roll, man. We I think we had pretty good chemistry. Right. And uh, you know, we I think I don't know we won twenty something games that year. Uh, made a final four run. Well, looking back, I I never thought we were the most talented team. I just think we did things other teams didn't want to do defensively. Coach got us to buy into our roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were very well prepared and we had good chemistry. So I think those things carried us because when I looked around the nation every year, we're in the final four and every year I'm thinking, God, their teams with more talent than us, mm-hmm. but, but they're not here. Uh, so, you know, it's gotta be, there's gotta be other reasons. So, so that, that was cool. Cause you know, when everybody else is sitting home watching you, you realize you got a chance to maybe put on a ring and, and, and it's because of certain things. So think about the thing, the reasons you're successful in your life, Lynette and, and Jean, uh, good people. You surround yourself with the right mm-hmm. people. You're accountable. I mean, all the things we've been talking about are the things that carry over in the real life. And if you can recreate those things, especially when you got good chemistry on your job, uh, then you've got a chance to really be successful. Yeah, that, I, that, I think that's really, really good. I think the key thing is, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, because a lot of times, a lot of our students and kids today, they just, they don't really care who's surrounding them. Right. And so they can, their influence is crazy and they can make the wrong decision. So you know, it's important to be able to instill that in the younger generation to make sure that you have quality people, not quantity people, but right. quality people around you. Mm-hmm. And you and you also graduated. <laughs> Let's tell them about that now. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, again, my dad was drill sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was an educator. Okay. My mom was a teacher for 36 years here in Cumberland County. Okay, so you that so, was that was gonna happen. It was all about education. Matter <laughs> of fact, you, you, again, we talked about earlier. We talked about mom was right. Mm-hmm. My mom was Miss um, 
uh, grammatically correct. Mm. So we had a fine jar on our counter. If you said anything that was not grammatically correct, you got no. fine. Wait. This is 100% true story. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. You couldn't say ain't. And I, my argument was, I looked it up. Ain't is in the dictionary. Is I don't like the word. <laughs> Anything grammatically incorrect, any slang, you got fine. Now, if you're out the house with the boys, you could do it up. It's in the good. house. <laughs> and you know what? Because she said one day, and uh, this I call this oak and the acorn. She saw the oak and the acorn. She said one day you'll you're gonna have to talk to people. Yep. I'm a kid. I don't know. Mama was right. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. So it's like the swear jar. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Though you said something very profound, and I don't know whether people caught that. But I did because I love that term. You said the oak and the acorn. Right. And so, you know, people don't understand that, you know, if they see the acorn, they're like, well, what is this? I asked you for an oak tree. You gave me an acorn. Right. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, if I don't have this uh, acorn, you'll never get an oak. So she had the foresight right. to see what was going to potentially happen that you could grow up to be a strong oak tree. But she saw it in the acorn. Right. And so. I think that's really good. So it was like a swear draw. That's awesome. So how much did you have to pay? Did you have to pay a lot? <laughs> I want to know. I want to know the details. Okay. Did you have to pay? I'm the youngest, and I have I have, I learned early on learn <laughs> from your brothers. That's right. Because right. they're gonna screw up. Mm -hmm. Don't do Just what watch they do. them. <laughs> so <I'm down. laughs> I I was like, you know what? I can I can mind my manager around the house where I don't have to get fined. Fine, you know, I love it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it, I I did get fined at time, but mm -hmm. you know, think about I think about the, the the times I've had to speak to people in groups, and every time I get ready to go speak, I always think about my mom as I'm getting I'm preparing, <laughs> and, you know. So, all right, so give us one word that you got fined on. You think? Oh man. Okay, sometimes I would get my subject verb agreement wrong when i was younger <laughs> that was a fine now you figure in 1974 25 cent was a lot of money oh yeah but that could buy you 25 pieces of candy <laughs> yes it at the candy store. <laughs> I, I know y'all can relate to this i know or, i can relate <laughs> to penny or, candy or they, if you kids went don't to think the it's candy true lady's today. house oh the candy lady come on so, there's a candy lady in every state and she lived right across the street from us when I was a kid. <laughs> so, you know, 25 cent hurt in 1975. <laughs> uh, so I, I had to, I was like, you know what? If I don't know, keep your mouth closed. There you go. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to talk about as well, the achievement of getting a academic degree from Duke University. Mm, nice. Now, right after that, there was a thing about the NBA. What happened with the NBA? You did not get drafted. Is that correct? Correct. That senior year is the year they went. They, they I think, uh, eighty-eight. They cut it from five to three, and then my senior year they cut it from three to two. And so I didn't get drafted. Uh, and I went down. And I tried it out with the Hornets, but then they signed. They ended up signing an offseason Johnny Newman, who you know. Yeah. from Richmond, uh, and, and they drafted Kendall Gill from Illinois. So that put them at 13 on the roster. So I was in a bad spot. I was like, yeah, they're not going to cut a vet to sign me. So I went in and thought I had an okay camp, uh, but I you know, ended up getting cut. Well, here, here's the thing. And, and so you transform just from being a player to a whole nother spectrum. And we're going to get to that right after this timeout.
Legendary songstress and entertainer Janet Jackson has suffered since childhood. Actress, host, and activist Jada Pinkett Smith admitted she battled with it in her early 20s. Dak Prescott, all-pro quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, was brave enough to bring light to his situation after the death of his mother. And Grammy award-winning rapper Jay-Z says confronting it was life-changing and he will always be a staunch advocate for seeking help. We are talking about mental health and those celebrities and more understand the importance of getting the help you need. If you have feelings of grief, anxiety, or even depression, Telehelp 24-7 is a new virtual company that is focused on providing mental health care services for people of color and is here for you. Get on your phone, tablet, or computer and sign up for Telehelp 24-7's free holiday sessions where you can talk things out with others and a licensed clinical professional. Go to telehelp247.org to learn more and see how you can get the help you need today. That's telehelp with a P, 247.org. Telehelp 24-7, culturally competent mental health care. And amazing as this story is being told, there is still more to come. But here's the thing, Mr. Bricky, Dunkathon, that's what we call them. People don't know that when they see that, uh, they go to, uh, and I'm sure there are, uh, well, YouTube, they're going to see some of you dunking on some folks. You, you kind of like that, but uh, <laughs> you had to watch out. He, 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 will, he will bang one on you <laughs> in a minute, in a minute. But you transitioned to now being a teacher, and you started coaching, uh, your, I, guess, I guess your first coaching Gig was at Army. Yep. And then you went to SMU and you spent two years at SMU. And then you also went to James Madison as a coach, as an assistant. But what I want to talk about all of a sudden now in 2005, you became a coach at an HBCU school called Shaw University. Mm -hmm. How was that experience? It was great, man. Um, I had never, I've been on campuses, but I never experienced what it's like to be present as as a faculty member and it was great and i worked i worked at north carolina central i worked at shaw and i worked at Fayetteville state and what i like is it's got a family feel to it like mm -hmm. you feel like your uh, administrators and your teachers and everybody on campus you feel like they're your aunts and uncles <laughs> because they are constantly watching out for you they're quick to tell you when you're wrong, mm -hmm. and they're quick to put their arm around you and tell you, you did a great job. And uh, so it felt like it felt like people really cared about you as an individual. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I love my experiences at HBCUs, and and uh, you know, and I'm I'm glad that they're getting more attention these days because yeah. you know they feel a need. You mm -hmm. know, there there are times, and I think about this uh, you. In our lifetime, when we were younger, it was rare to see people that looked like us on television. Right. We didn't know we could be actors and actresses and mm. entertain all kinds of manner of things because we never saw people that looked like us succeed in some areas. Right. Uh, I think that's what HBCUs do. They give these kids an opportunity to see successful people that look like them, who are educated. And, and represent the communities well and their fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and all of that. Uh, so I, I love, I love that field. Well, what, and the, the thing about the HBCU schools, athletic programs, they don't have the big endowments like the NC states and the Wake Forest and the Dukes. So there were some challenges, weren't there? Absolutely. They've got to do more with less. And you know, being on a shoestring budget is not always easy. <laughs> no. But, but, you know, you make the most of it. And, and when you do, you know, it, it adds a little something extra to it because you got to go through a little bit more. You know, maybe we don't get new uniforms every year or we don't have the, the, the best shoe contract. Or we, our travel arrangements aren't the same, you know. But, you know, I think those are times I call in the trenches. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes when you're in the trenches with a kid, you can really impact that kid's life, mm -hmm. get a better feel for who that kid is and help that kid grow. Because, you, got, you know, you, when you're taking a bus 10 hours as opposed to flying, oh, you got right. a lot of time <laughs> to talk to folks. Yes. yes and, um, you, know, uh, you know, during your coaching days, Gene, you know, you know, man, it's, 
that that could be a, a moment you get better, or a moment a team your team can go disintegrate mm-hmm. if you don't use that time wisely. So mm-hmm. uh, there are some challenges, but again, it's like most of it. we all have challenges in our lives. If we make the most of it, we grow from it. We get better from it. For sure. And and one of the things that we want to talk about now, who and what is Robert Bricky today? What are what are the the concepts and the things you're doing? And also because. Let me just say this to everyone. He's a great teacher. He knows how to do all the things, not just on the court, to tell your young people how to do and what to do, but off the court. And that's a great thing. So how, how do we get in? If, if I want my son or my daughter to learn more about the game overall, how do I, how do I get in contact with a Robert Bricky who is who's just immense with so much within you? Okay, first question. Uh... Today, I do about three or four things, depending on what day you ask me. <laughs> uh, they all they all interrelate. Uh, so my official title is uh, investment advisor representative, which means I'm a financial advisor. I help people put together financial plans, which may or may not include life insurance, long-term care, uh, invest investment management, we invest money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we help you with strategy and, uh, and some estate planning techniques. That's my official title. I also work with a group where we do employee benefits. Hmm. So if you're a small to large group, we come in, we can put in medical, dental, any kind of voluntary or mandatory benefits that you like. Medical, dental, vision, uh, cancer, AFLAC, any, any of those things. And then some days I'm a basketball coach. <laughs> uh, you know, again, depends on what day you ask me. Uh, you know, I still love the game. I still enjoy teaching the game. Uh, I coached in uh, the team in Raleigh. I didn't coach it this past year because uh, I, I had a lot of schedule conflicts. But uh, the owner just texted me yesterday, asked me if I wanted to come back. Uh, so I'm not sure if I, you know, based on my schedule, I've got a lot of plate spinning right now business-wise. And when it all hits, it's going to occupy a lot of my time uh, until I can kind of Fill, in, fill the void in some position. I think we need to get some help in our office. You know, we, we've got a small group, but we still need to get some more help. Right, so, and, that, and that's the Raleigh Firebirds that's out of the North Raleigh American. Raleigh Firebirds, yes. Yeah, Pre- yeah. That's the Premier Basketball League, is that correct? It, yeah, but they changed the name to the TBL, which is the Basketball League. Hmm. So mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the new name. And this will be their fifth year. This uh, it actually be the spring of 2022. I think it'll be their fifth year. So, and it's grown. It went from my first year, there were 10 teams. This past season, there were 24. Oh, wow. So it's really grown, you know, and that shows you how people love basketball around this nation. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about all the places they used to have a pro team around the nation, there's a map of that. If I find it, I'll send it to you. You'd be surprised the towns that embrace basketball and will support a team on a semi-pro level. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, one question I will, I will give you. Well, I guess Lynette probably has a question for you as well um, when it talks about your principles. You know, you, you share that throughout this show about your father and discipline and so forth. Right. But what are the principles that you embrace now after your playing days? Uh, well, let me just say this. What you embrace during your playing days, and I think Lynette mentioned this earlier of now carrying over to the afterlife of basketball Mm -hmm. what are these things you know that are your principles that you carry with you to this present day right when when most people ask me what i do if i said investment advisor rep they have no idea what that is so Mm -hmm. i usually have to explain what i do Uh, now i tell most people they say what do you do i say i help people sleep better at night and they look well, at me. now that's a good thing because sleep is good. Right. So <laughs> then they look at me, well, how do you do that? I said, I help people manage financial situations so that you can sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the flip side of that is I got to sleep at night too. Mm-hmm. So if I'm managing your money, I have a fiduciary responsibility to do the right thing. That's not even, that's not even the point. The point is I wouldn't do the wrong thing to start with. Correct. Uh, so accountability. 
mm-hmm. trust. You know, I manage people's money. Right. They got to trust me. Right. You know, and uh, so I, I've got my own set of principles. They just happen to overlap with what I have to do professionally. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you know, at this stage of my life, man, I want to have a good time with my friends and family, love the people I love, see the people I see. I don't want to, I don't want stress and I don't want to cause stress. Okay. Let, let me, can, can I ask you a question? Are, are, are you looking to have any children at this age? I mean, we're older now. We had this conversation. <laughs> and the listeners are probably listen. I mean, they would love to have a, a nice little little bricky walking around, but we're, we're up at age now though. But who knows? Uh, I've got a little bricky walking around. She's 29. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, don't you have a little bricky? <laughs> She's 29. And I love, that's my baby, Christina. I love her. And, you know, Same and I okay. tell her, I talk about this all the time. I say, look, when I'm gone, and she, she's like, you always say it when you, I say, because I need you to be know what to do mm-hmm. when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I, you don't need to be shocked. And then there's is some legal things you're going to need to take care of. That's right. Financial things. I, I need you to know. Exactly. Uh, you know, so I really right. wanted to find out the financial advising piece there. Do you find yourself ever um, helping athletes to prepare themselves? Because I think where I see the challenge today is that we don't start early with teaching our children about good credit. Right. Um, we don't t- start early about having them to understand that in our culture. I know my parents didn't teach us that because right. they were always robbing Peter to pay Paul. Absolutely. And I was just like, first of all, who is Peter and why, <laughs> why are they always robbing this dude? They sticking right. him up. And then who is Paul? Why they got to give Paul all their money? Right. So that is just an old term that they used to say. Mama should say, you know, hey, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul this week. And so I grew up at that mindset of, okay, well, I got to rob Peter too. So I'm right. sticking Peter up. And so we're not teaching our children. I tried to teach my children from some of the mistakes that I've made. Right. But do you find you, that you are now advising athletes um, about how to set up their future, how to set up, you said estate planning, um, and to make sure that, you know, even the Bible tells us that, you know, a good man leaves an inheritance for Mm -hmm. his children and his children's children. And so we find that sometimes that the children are having to bury the parents because the parents don't have any money or nothing in, in, in place. So, you know, speak to that a little bit. If there is someone out there that's a student listening to us, um, or even if someone who says, hey, I'd like to get more, uh, learn more about estate planning because I'd like my team to know about financial and you know planning and estate planning. H- how would they get that information or are you doing that? Absolutely. Uh, so let me give you the information because I'm gonna go forget this if I don't. <laughs> um, my email address is okay. uh, Robert dot bricky b-r-i-c-k-e-y at lpl.com okay so robert dot bricky at lpl.com i think that's right okay <laughs> yeah that is correct okay because <laughs> sometimes i think it's r bricky but it's robert dot bricky mm-hmm. it's my email address my uh, my uh, cell number 919-896 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2389-919-896-2389. Now that's awesome. Here's this gentleman giving his number online because he wants you to call and get some advice. That's a Duke brother. Let me go back to your question. Uh, the reason I do what I do, mm-hmm. you, hit it, you hit the nail right on the head. We don't do a great job in our community with financial mm-hmm. literacy. That's right, that's right. That is my mission. If I had a mission statement, this is it. I, I Not just our, our community, but I just know we're in need. Mm-hmm. So I work with churches and other groups and I go out and I talk about financial literacy. I talk about credit and, and uh, 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 savings versus investing mm. in 401k. And I talk about estate planning and wills and trust. I'm not a lawyer. I can't give her so much advice, but mm-hmm. I talk about all these things because these are things that are going to impact everybody. If you live long enough, all these things are going to impact, impact your life. Okay. And if you know how to handle it, and then you get to the point where your money's making money for you, you got a chance to change our community. Now mm-hmm. we're not robbing Peter to pay Paul. Correct. We are 
we're giving back. We, we're being a blessing in our community financially. We writing checks. Right. Just helping people. Uh, so, but we, until we get there, we'll never have that power because uh, we'll, be, we'll have the day-to-day Peter to Paul mentality mm-hmm. as opposed to wealth creation, mm-hmm. preservation, and proper distribution, distribution. Oh, that's good. And if we do those things, our community changes. Absolutely. Then, then our kids do better because they know better. Oh, that's good. That's a really, message, really good. A great message. And this is even better. This is even better than what we I even thought just talking about. We don't really try to want to talk about just X's and O's. We want to talk about the mm-hmm. concepts of our beginnings. But then we're talking about financial literacy. Yes. In our communities, which is has been lacking yeah. a lot. And I thank you for being able to take on that that task, that mission, and that quest. And that's why I say, it, it, and it's a pleasure, Robert, to have you on here and, and to share some of that and, and your trials and tribulations. But more than anything else, people don't know the, and I call the, the unsung, because, you know, you look at a, a player that went to Duke University, applied himself with responsibility and, and, and all those things and graduated with his degree and continued on and doing something. Now you are out doing some things for community literacy of finances. I think that's a great, great thing and a greater goal. And I'm very, very pleasant and happy to have you on the show and my brother being there. And, and, and I'm almost deep felt that you even talked about watching me being at Duke University and Vince. And that was some type of a little bit of influence because that was my whole reason for going to Duke was to have that influence, to have that diversity, for it to continue on to have guys come after me like you. And I just want to say thank you. And you have been a blessing. I always enjoyed talking with you. And people, reach out to Robert Bricky. He can be very, very yes. helpful in a <laughs> lot of ways, not just basketball, but finances. And, you, and the brother has a good, good taste for music. <laughs> How did we you enjoy you. that show last week? That show was amazing, man. Joe, it was we got to give a shout out to Joe Williams. We do. Man, Joe, and look, I've been every year they've had oh, wow. the Soul Train Festival, and it's gotten better every yes. year. And that's hard to do, yes. especially when you're starting from scratch, when you own a wow. hope and a prayer, somebody's going to show up and you wow. build it into what we saw this past weekend. Yes. Amazing job. You know, Joe. that was my first time coming to the festival. And I said to Joe, this is my first time, but you put on a first class absolutely show like everything was and even in these COVID streets okay they took every precaution to make sure and to sure ensure that everyone was safe that we were you know we were protected but then the music was just it was just excellent let me ask you this Lynette Mm -hmm. Uh, you've been to a lot of concerts in a lot of different places Mm mm-hmm how good is the production of that show Yeah, as compared to anybody else you've seen? Yeah, really. It was the, the production. It was a class. Like I, I, I actually told Joe at the end, I just hugged him and I said, thanks. Like this was classy, classy, classy right. from beginning to the end. Um, the artists that were there, um, we know that Chris Bote was supposed to be there, but something happened and he didn't right. come. Um, but blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, you got to be of a certain age to know about blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> right. I mean, hello. And right. they were there and they were just taking you back down memory lane. And I love the diversity in the music. Right. So it wasn't right. just all jazz. Right. You know, you had blood, sweat, and tears. And then you you had some R&B with Kenny Lattimore. And then you had mm-hmm. some, some Latin with Tito Puente. And then my God, my God, Kingfish. At the end, he just shut it down. But it was just really, really good. Very class act. It was very nice to see you there and enjoying yourself. Because I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself. Listen, you know, we've been COVID-ridden. Yeah, for a while. We haven't had a chance together. Mm -mm. And and I love a good event. And I love good music. And they do such a good job. Like, we usually have to travel to go see that kind of quality yes. of a show. I mean, I got to get in a car and drive a while or catch a plane. Yes. I can go to High Point. And see, oh, that's <laughs> right, in High Point. It was yeah. like, it's a sleeper, man. Like everybody should be coming. And we hope next year, 
that thousands of more people come. They right. make it bigger because it was just a great show. So it is. Yeah, Joe Joe Williams is a fantastic person. He's a big brother of mine. He handles a lot of my things and appearances. He's also the designer, the creator of, along with uh, D Tunes, of the Gene Banks T-shirt. So, mm-hmm. kudos goes out to Joe Williams. Yes. Kudos. We don't want this is not Joe Williams show today. <laughs> this is Robert. Brick. No, it is not. But Robert know, was there, and he just really realized that you know it was a good show. And oh no, Joe I'm Williams gonna, no, put no, that no, thing no, together. No, we may have to put Joe Williams on the show. We, we will have to get him and have, have him talk the, about it. Because yeah. Joe Joe was a track star at John Bartram High School. So um, that being said, we're going to wind down because it's time for us to it's the time to make the time together <laughs> just to share a laugh and sing a song. <laughs> we just get started, then you know it. It's the time we have to say so long. <laughs> brother Bricky, I thank you so much, brother. Keep on doing what you're doing. You are an inspiration to me. You are my brother deep within my heart. I thank you. Prayers go out to you. Keep on keeping on, my Duke unsung hero. You've been listening to The Bank Shot with your host, Gene Banks. This show is sponsored by the John Coltrane Jazz Festival and Roar Media Group. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And until next week, don't forget to take your shot, The Bank Shot. <laughs>